Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. That hey, everybody. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. This is Todd Mitchell. We do not have a guest for this episode because, well, really... I've been kind of waiting on certain people and trying to set things up with certain folks and we didn't really land on anything for this week. We haven't done an episode that was just me in a while. I'm sorry to disappoint. I do not have a rant or an argument ready for you for this episode. Um, There was one funny thing. uh, A certain famous Twitter game dev account who shall remain nameless because he's got enough uh, attention as it is, but said something I found absolutely ridiculous. I put up a pretty heated tweet about it, and someone actually got into my DMs and said, uh, you know, first of all, I always know who you're talking about when you do this, and I, yeah, I know, and we had a little bit of laugh about that. But uh, they also sent a screenshot of one of our previous episodes of this show where I talked about the benefits of not blowing the hell up every time something rubs you the wrong way so they said this is a really good episode and i think what they really meant was you said you weren't going to do this anymore (laughs) and that was quite right and i I appreciate that i appreciate friends on twitter you know reminding me that everything is going to be okay for anything i do well and i'm not pointing to anything specific i think it's important to know what you don't do well and what you have trouble with i think this is uh hopefully a drastic way to phrase this, but emotional stability, emotional maturity. I, I like the phrase better. I'm a, I'm a stable person. I've never started a fight in public, never been arrested, <laughs> anything like that. But the maturity issue I could work on. There are reasons for that. You know, I, I didn't have the best childhood and I, um, I'm realizing as a father, uh, and I'll just say as a parent, because certainly a, a mother contributes to this just as much, but as a parent, I'm finding myself coaching my kid on how to react to things and how to deal with things. I didn't plan on talking about this, by the way. So I just came from the treadmill. I heard a personal trainer say in a video the other day, keep in mind that you can't control your first thought when something happens, but you can control your second. And I really liked, I thought, I'm going to think about that probably forever. You can't control how you feel when something happens. But you can get it under control immediately after that. And I really like that concept. And it's something I'm working with my kid on because my child is not a little bit of an anxious kid, much the way I was. Things make him nervous and things make him upset. He's, he's a sweetheart. He's a really sweet kid. He's not the kind of kid who's like something upsets him and he yells, kicks somebody. He's not like that. He's not that kind of kid. But dealing with things appropriately is still a challenge because that's how kids are. And so I find myself saying, you know, it's okay to feel upset. It's okay to feel mad. But we spend some time with it. We sit with those feelings for a moment. We decide, we we stop and decide what we're going to do in response. And then we act appropriately. And I realized I didn't have that as a kid because my, my dad wasn't around and my mom had worse emotional problems than I ever will. She was trying, 
but it was outside her capability to control herself. And so therefore she wasn't able to help us control anything either. And I, I don't say that with a smile on my face. That was a very unpleasant, unfortunate circumstance. And I know people today go through stuff like that as well. So, uh, even as an adult now, I have to coach myself on the same stuff I coach my kid on. So, but from your perspective, hopefully it's just an occasional funny rant or, uh, you know, I lose my mind about something and hopefully make a funny joke here and there. That's to say, I'm not going to do that in this episode. In this episode, I want to go back and expand on something I sort of blurted at the end of the last episode with our good friend, Rayan Ali, who was nice enough to come back on the show and talk about how the book is doing, NBA Jam book from Boss Fight Books. And he said, what's going on with you? He's a personal friend, and that was a nice thing for him to do because he is interested and uh, also wanted to drum up support among his listeners who would listen to this show for my stuff, which he's just a he's a sweetheart. So I told him I'm trying some different things. I'm trying some different writing projects. I'm trying some screenwriting. I don't have a job in screenwriting or no one's going to pay me for it necessarily, but I said screenwriting, and this is a game dev podcast, and I thought... Listeners would be right to wonder what and why. So if you're wondering what or why, I want to talk about that a little bit. And just to prove this is not just gratuitous talking about myself, there's a lesson that I've picked up recently that um, we've done this before on the show. I'll go out and find wisdom from other walks of life and bring them into game development if I can to the best of my ability. I found some really great wisdom in that part of the writing world that I think would translate fantastically for anyone who's responsible for game development stories. So I brought up that I'm doing some screenwriting and I believe I even brought up that I had a movie idea that I wanted to write a screenplay for. That is true. Am I trying to break into Hollywood? Uh, probably not. It would be amazing to get a, a movie made, obviously, but that's another much like game development. That's another sort of rock star thing. Like, I'm going to make I'm gonna make this thing and everyone's going to love it. It's almost impossible to sell a screenplay. But I think if you've decided to be a game developer, especially as a soloist, I think it's a good idea to come from your strengths. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you are a software engineer. Maybe you're really good at game maker. Any, anything. Any way that you make what you make. I think it's a good idea to find something you're not as naturally good at, or just a different practice that you're interested in. Maybe you're good at that too. I think I'm a decent writer. Um, I've done it as a job before, but I've not done any big extensive writing projects. I've not written any books. I've thought about writing books. I will one day. Uh, I've done some freelance writing. I wrote one chapter in someone else's book that I didn't get paid for, but I've never gone, here's a big, full, complete thing that I'm gonna write and then completed that thing and said, here it is, my written thing. So I had a story in mind, and I, I love comedic things. Like, when I watch movies or TV, I prefer comedy. People talk about, like, you watch Stranger Things, or you watch this uh, American Horror Story, or listen to this podcast about serial killers. Like, that stuff bums me the hell out. And I don't know if, it's, if part of it is having a tra traumatic childhood, and not wanting to spend my time, you know, sort of going back to worse times in my mind. It may not say anything healthy about me. I really prefer to be laughing during that time. Like, give me a funny premise. Give me jokes. 
show me a guy falling down the stairs but not getting hurt he just gets up and then gets kicked in the nuts like that's it can be childish it can be clever i i would just prefer to be happy you can imagine how it went when i worked with my buddy ray on a mostly horror pop culture site the idea was i had a comedic story in mind that i wanted to tell based loosely on events from my life and i just wanted to see if i could write a screenplay that would make sense and that i would be proud of and that would read well And I absolutely would send it around, see if any agents were interested in it or however you do that now. I don't know anything about it, but I do know how a screenplay is written. I've studied this. I've read some books. I have immersed myself in it much the way we would for any game development project. I just decided I'm going to take some time, go in a little bit different direction for a while and work really hard on something so I can learn and so I can get better. And one benefit of having done that is I went through a book, which most people agree is the sort of definitive screenwriting book, which is uh, Sid Field's screenplay. Yeah, it's called Screenplay, Foundations of Screenwriting. Yes. And Sid Field has unfortunately passed away, and it wasn't that long ago. It was like, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was like 10 or 15 years, some, something like that. But he was considered the best. And his story was he grew up in... Uh, somewhere near Hollywood, went to high school there, got to know some famous actors, uh, went to work for a studio in like an administrative role or something. He was like a, it's it's not super important, but he, he lived an interesting life, but he ended up reading screenplays for a living to see what should be passed on to producers at his company for like possible uh, production. So he learned what a good screenplay looks like and what reads well. And he even distilled down like a perfect, what he considered the perfect film structure. I mean, he call, in his book, he calls it the paradigm. And outside the book, people often call it like the Sidfield structure. It's a three-act format for, for stories. And the strong argument is almost every story that's ever been told, at least in Western culture, fits into this Sidfield format and hits all these certain beats on the way to the conclusion of the story. So he explains this format in his book and I think it's fantastic. And I immediately recognized the value of this for game developers too, because a lot of game developers want to make compelling stories in their games or make, you know, compelling games about their stories. If you want to look at it that way, even as a writer, I thought when you start working in fiction, like it gets a little bit scary because it's like, am I setting this up right? Where do I start? How do I know if I'm doing this right? So I thought I would share this format, this uh, story structure, and sort of share how it pertains to game development. If you hear that and go, well, telling stories in games is different, it's really not. And even if you want to talk about open world games and non-linear structure and stuff, it still ends up really not any different. At some point, I'll probably go through a list of games just to apply this structure, sort of label things out, and show how pretty spot on this always is. So this this format is, imagine a timeline, and it's divided into three acts, three parts this timeline, Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. In Act 1, you've got your beginning, your introduction to these characters, you explain the world, the people who are in the world, you kind of set a, a mood or a vibe. And by the end of Act 1, you introduce a problem, right? You you know, you can think of almost any story. My friend uh, John, John used to be on the show, and his mom was an English teacher, and she 
really ruffled some feathers at the high school one day when she ex- explained a format like this. And I don't know if Sid Field had even written his book yet at that time, but she explained sort of the hero's journey is another name for basically what we're talking about. And she goes, oh, if you even look at the story of Jesus in the Bible, it follows this structure. Now, people got upset at that and go, well, that wasn't a, if you believe like that really happened literally word for word uh, and that wasn't a story, that's history. It still doesn't matter. The point was that as a story, it still follows this structure and true things can follow this structure. That's, uh, you know, you, you can tell the story of Abraham Lincoln's life in a way that fits this story. And I'm, I'm sure some movies have done that. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Don't bother me about it. I don't, I don't care. But so you introduce this problem at the end of Act 1. Act 2 is about conflict. It's the longest act. It's about twice the, the length of Act 1 and Act 3. In this part, the hero understands his journey, but he's got hurdle after hurdle and he's overcoming obstacles and you're, you're kind of going in waves and maybe something happens interesting in the middle. And at the end of Act 2, things sort of get even worse or there's a new problem, you know, because we have to we have to be led to wonder, oh, no, is this going to be a happy story or not? Is is the hero going to accomplish this thing or not? So then Act 3, you've got resolution. The resolution is Whatever happens at the end, it doesn't have to be happy. It could be the hero dies or everyone dies or <laughs> it was all a dream. It doesn't have to be a good ending, but this is where the ending unfolds. So you you have the same about the same amount of time that you spent in Act 1. You spend in Act 3 sort of wrapping everything up, hopefully tying up any loose ends. You can leave certain things for the reader or the player to decide, but this is where everything ends. So... That in itself is not necessarily so groundbreaking. And you can pretty much, uh, most of you at this point are going like, yeah, no shit. You can sort of pick these parts out for yourself. Something I found interesting was what he called the plot points, the major plot points at the end of Act 1 and at the end of Act 2. He introduced a perspective on this that I had never thought about but made a ton of sense. It was super helpful when I was writing... Uh, the outline for what I want to write the screenplay about. And these are the concepts of looking at these major plot points that end act one and end act two as like hooks. You think about them as hooks that dig into the story and spin it in a new direction. And I thought, you know, what, what an interesting way to look at that. You know, you have the, you have act one, you have the character in this perfect world, or maybe it's already just rife with tension. You know, maybe, maybe things are bad in act one. But at the end of Act 1, you clearly define the problem, which grabs the character and spins him in a new direction. Like, now he has to go to Mordor, or Neo has to take the red pill, or, you know, whatever. Now you're going to start a quest. The major plot point at the end of Act 2 is the one that goes like, "Uh uh-oh, maybe this isn't just such a clear shot from beginning of the quest to, you know, the, the resolution. Oh, they got Morpheus, you know, that that kind of thing. So if you look at it like that, now you have four interesting beats that you can kind of set up tent poles that you can drape the story around, if you think about it that way. So you've got your opener, obviously very important. You've got that major plot point that ends Act 1. You've got Act 2, which is all about conflict and ends in major plot point 2 that leads into Act 3. And then you've got the resolution, which is that big, big number 4. And if you set those up, if you go into your story and decide what those four major points are, 
it turns into a fantastic way to write a story. When I was thinking about it, I I tried to approach it like a journalist who was getting ready to write an article. So like my outline looked like beginning, middle, end, which is okay. Those would be three major acts. That still leaves a lot of thinking to do and just like you're going to write one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like all these scenes that are going to make this great story. And before I had really read about that paradigm or that structure, whatever you want to call it, you know, I didn't have nearly the same understanding of writing a fictional story that I do now or setting up the way that you're going to explain a non-fictional story. Maybe you are a writer or a game developer who wants to set up a story about something that absolutely happened in a very specific way and you are going to change no details at all. You can still use a format like this to write a very compelling story. And you can be sure that it's going to play out the way someone who was going to watch Lord of the Rings would experience a story. It's going to have that same number of, you know, elements that need to move things forward and uh, stuff like that. That was not the only cool thing that I read in that that book. Another cool thing was um, after setting up those major plot points and everything like that, your major outline, Sid Field recommends getting a bunch of note cards. There, there are ways you can do this in software too, but he suggests coming up with as many scenes as you can to fit in your, your different acts. So like act one, Say you're going to need like so many scenes, say 14, 15 scenes you will need to do act one in a game. Maybe these are levels. Maybe these are uh, portions of quests, things like that. This this does translate. It's just a little bit different, but you can think of it and write these down on note cards and come up with just as many as you possibly can for each section with these themes like, you know, what what makes a good scene during the opening act? What makes a good scene during this period of conflict in act two? What kind of scenes we're going to experience as the story is wrapping up? So you can actually come up with unlimited numbers of these and then pick the best ones and sort of look at all of them and go, you know, does a story sort of jump out at me using these certain scenes? And I thought that was also another really fantastic way to organize story. It's definitely helpful for scenes if you're doing screenwriting. But for a developer, I think it's a really interesting way to think about setting up a story because way too many games have been created engine first and mechanics first. And then the goal is to write or make someone else write a story on top of what you've got there. I feel that approaching a project story first like this would probably lead to a much more interesting experience. And I can't prove that because I haven't done it myself. I'm, I'm guilty of doing the same thing. Like, I want to make a game about trains. And this, here's the thing. And if I had to write a story on top of it, uh, it would be, I could make it okay. But it might not be, like, super compelling. But what if you were to start a story from that end of it? And before just opening up Unity or Unreal or Game Maker and cobbling those pieces together. You would probably have a whole interesting new kind of experience. So up to now, maybe you've, maybe you've been listening to me and you're thinking, uh, I don't care that you're writing a story and that's a stupid way to spend time because this applies to games in absolutely no way at all. Because many games are not linear. We're in the era of open world games and non-linear storytelling and everything. I still feel pretty strongly those games follow this, this uh, structure and it's closer to like an open world game is a lot closer to like a choose your own adventure book. So, <laughs> and and I know that's not uh, a super attractive way to put that, but if you think about it, 
you can spend as much time in the land of Skyrim as you want, but the final boss scene is going to be the final boss scene. Maybe you're thinking about something like Mass Effect and there's a big choice involved and, and different endings, but really you're starting with this same kind of structure and based on whatever mechanical choices were made, you know, whatever engine points were assigned or whatever route was chosen, you're, you're basically swapping one part of a story for another in the same format. So really, even if you wanted to write an open world, non-linear story like that, you'd be starting with the structure, but you would maybe be writing certain parts multiple times. So here's the good ending. Here's the bad ending. Here's uh, something that might happen on the side that causes this other thing to happen at the end. You're not really straying very far from this format. And if that makes it seem less magical, I'm sorry, but most people do understand that and they do see through that and it's still good. It's good to play around with story and have interesting storytelling methods, but that doesn't necessarily mean you got too revolutionary in the process, you know, still well worth striving for. But I think if this interests people, I will even go through, in fact, recommend some, recommend some games. I'll look at the stories or think about the stories if I've played them and see how close I can match up these story elements to this, the Sid Field structure that I'm, I'm mentioning here. I can link to the book. There are all kinds of resources online about this. Like, this is a pretty widespread thing outside game development. Maybe you haven't heard of it, but if you're a writer, it's quite possible you have. Because, and and other people have different names for this. Like I said, The Hero Journey. Um, Dan Harmon did an interesting, he uh, wrote Community. He uh, did an interesting article series about how this structure fits in films. I forget the name of that, but I can probably find it. And uh, ultimately, I just think it's interesting to go outside the realm of the way you normally do these things and look at the way other people do things in other walks of life. Screenwriting's been going on much longer than game development. Book writing has been going on even longer. That's why writing is interesting. Writing goes back way further than any other part of game development other than art, you know, because we told stories with uh, images before we told them with words, so... How would I do a version of this with art is a question nobody asked me, but it would be fun to do a cartoon, you know? It'd be fun to, like, I I bet I could do it with Blender. Like a 2D cartoon in Blender. I've never thought about that. Would that be fun? Would that be cool? I think it would. But I, I like to find ways to do new projects, not necessarily in games. Not necessarily that are gonna make me any money, much less a fortune. But I think it's a good idea to expand What's going on? Somebody at my door? Yeah, someone's at my door. Let's see what's up. It's FedEx. Oh well, I'm not worried about it. So, (laughs) I I think it's good for you to find new ways to do different projects and expand your tool set. Change your perspective. Man, that's a biggie. In the writing process, oh my god, like I can feel my brain working in different ways. And I'm I'm still doing game development stuff. I'm, I'm working on Patreon stuff as we speak. I've got some fun animation, uh, 3D animation stuff going for my VR project that we're doing in the Patreon group. But um, at the same time, like find find something to help you decompress and like give you something else to do when your normal stuff is just a grind that's zapping your soul. You know, just don't grind away at soul sucking things for too long because usually it just means you need a break. So finding cool cool other stuff to do is uh, is the key. I promise I'm going to get a guest for, uh, I don't know, next time if I can. I'll get a guest next time if I can. 
otherwise uh, I'll keep things going because people seem to enjoy when we just go over stuff like this talk about what's happening on Twitter talk about new software and news and whatever like I just like to keep up with it share thoughts on it and uh, see what you all think as well so if you enjoy Game Dev Breakdown I hope you've subscribed wherever you're listening I would love if you would rate it or review it or share it with a friend. That'd be awesome. If you uh, have an interest, check out the Patreon group at patreon.com slash play, And uh, we will be back with a guest or at least something interesting uh, very soon. So uh, get in touch. Show notes at codewriteplay.com. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Mechatodzilla with... Uh, 1D, 2Ls, or at CodeWritePlay on Twitter. So uh, get in touch, and I will talk to you all very soon. Later. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me. 